0: Oh. Regional Logistics Center. This is Alex.
1: So, a couple of weeks ago, I went to the Missouri Illinois border, just a couple of miles into Illinois. Uh, it's a town called Fairview Heights.
2: This is Caroline Kitchener. She's a national political reporter for the Post.
1: And I went to this really first of its kind call center where People, employees of Planned Parenthood, are getting on the phone with patients and trying to connect them with the resources they need to, one, pay for their abortions, and two, pay for the hotel, transportation, everything that they need to be able to get to their appointment from wherever they are in the country, whether that's, you know, Missouri or much farther afield. Um,
2: When Caroline was there at this call center that sits inside a massive clinic on the Illinois side of the Illinois-Missouri border, she spent time with a woman named Alex. Alex answers phones at the call center and helps people figure things out.
0: All right, so let's get you some financial assistance going, all right.
2: The reason she's able to do that is because she is in Illinois, which is a state that has way more progressive laws around abortion than its surrounding states. Which means that people seeking an abortion who are in those other states, they get routed to Alex.
0: So with this screening, I am able to offer you 112 for financial assistance. And then with you being a Missouri resident, I can give you an additional 58 off. Is that doable for you?
2: More and more states are putting up barriers to abortion. The Supreme Court is considering whether to overturn or limit the protections of Roe v. Wade. And the people who work at clinics like this one, like Alex... They know that they're about to get really, really busy. Well,
0: see what happens is this is a this is a ripple effect. Um, so a Texas abortion ban is not going to just affect patients in Texas.
2: But for the people who work in these call centers, even providing logistical help could soon put them in legal jeopardy.
1: It's hard to know what the legal challenges they're going to face will be. What are anti-abortion lawmaker is going to throw at them to try to stop them from doing what they're doing. It's really hard to know.
2: From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Monday, March 28th. Today, Caroline tells us about the state of abortion rights in the U.S., how lawmakers in red states are trying to make it impossible to get an abortion anywhere, and how clinics in blue states are trying to keep the option available for the people who need it. So, Caroline, tell me a little bit about the state of abortion rights in the U.S. right now.
1: This is a really unique moment for abortion rights. Two big things are happening right now. The first is that we are coming up on a Supreme Court decision that could obliterate abortion access in this country. The Supreme Court heard in December a case called Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization.
3: We will hear argument this morning in case 191392, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. General Stewart?
1: That's a case that revolves around a 15 week abortion ban out of Mississippi.
2: Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey haunt our country. They have no basis in the Constitution, they have no home in our history or traditions.
1: Now, this case is so important because a 15-week abortion ban is a clear violation of Roe v. Wade. That's the long-standing precedent that has protected the right to abortion in this country for almost 50 years. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court, Mississippi's ban on abortion two months before viability is flatly unconstitutional under decades of precedent. If the Supreme Court rules that the Mississippi law can stand, that's Significantly weakens this precedent that has protected abortion rights. Roe, you know, and Planned Parenthood v. Casey—that's another really big case. They protect the right to abortion up until the point of viability. That's usually around twenty-two to twenty-four weeks of pregnancy. Obviously, the Mississippi law tries to outlaw abortion. You know, far before that. Mississippi asks the court to dismantle this precedent and allow states to force women to remain pregnant and give birth against their will. The court should refuse to do so for at least three reasons.
2: But even as we're waiting to hear the decision of that one case where Roe v. Wade is essentially at stake, I mean, it seems like we're already seeing so much shifting on this, that we're seeing laws all over the country being passed very quickly, all
1: pointed at trying to further restrict abortion access right now. Absolutely. And I mean, I think Texas is is probably the clearest example for most people.
3: One of the strictest
0: abortion laws in the country takes effect in Texas today.
1: Texas has banned abortions after six weeks of pregnancy, which is before most people even know that they're pregnant, since September.
3: The law also allows private citizens to bring civil suits
0: against anyone who assists a pregnant person seeking an abortion.
1: And there have been you know, a lot of attempts to challenge that in court and... None of them have been successful. So right now, you know, one of the biggest states in the country, most abortions are banned.
2: And where else are we seeing abortion laws being passed? And why now?
1: All over the country. So... Any legislative session in recent years, you're going to see a lot of anti-abortion bills crop
0: up in Republican states. Just over an hour ago, Alabama's Republican governor, Kay Ivey, signed into law the most restrictive abortion bill in the country.
3: The Ohio governor signing today what critics condemn as the most restrictive abortion law in the country.
2: Oklahoma's legislative session started back up this week. The lawmakers are considering a slate of anti-abortion measures, including one bill that would create a database of pregnant people in the state seeking an abortion. Abortion laws in New Hampshire are changing in significant ways. The medical procedure is now banned here after 24 weeks of pregnancy, and doctors can be charged for performing the procedure unless the mother's life or health is in danger.
1: The big difference this year is that with the six-week bans, the all-out bans, there is a real sense that these bills could actually take effect. In the past, Republican legislators threw these bills out there, but they always, always got blocked by the courts. Texas is the first time that that hasn't happened. So Texas, coupled with the Supreme Court, there's just this real sense among anti-abortion legislators that They could do anything, and it could work. So there are a ton of examples. Florida was the first state to pass a ban. They banned abortion after 15 weeks of pregnancy.
0: The bill has few exceptions. A mother's life must be in danger, or the fetus must have a deadly abnormality to allow an abortion after the 15-week cutoff. Two doctors will also need to sign off on the abortion. The bill leaves out exceptions for rape, incest, or human trafficking.
1: I think it was the next week, Idaho became the first state to pass a law modeled after the Texas ban, banning abortion at six weeks.
3: Idaho is now the first state to pass a bill modeled after the Texas law banning abortions after six weeks of pregnancy. The Idaho bill would allow potential relatives of the unborn child to sue abortion providers for $20,000. The proposal now heads to the Republican governor for approval.
1: That could take effect as early as April. April. There are a ton of other states where these kinds of bills are moving. Oklahoma, Tennessee, really across the South and Midwest, you're seeing this kind of legislation. And there's an interesting provision that was proposed in Missouri that proposes really trying to stop people from accessing abortion out of state.
2: How do they do that? How can they control abortions that happen not in their state.
1: So this proposal is using a Texas-style strategy. It basically means they're not going to set up checkpoints and stop pregnant people trying to draw state lines or anything like that. If this was to pass and go into law, they would enlist private citizens to sue people who are helping people obtain abortions in other states. So that means people like Alex.
2: And Wait, can you just explain a little bit more? How does the Texas law work?
1: Bare bones of the Texas law, it is a ban on abortion after six weeks of pregnancy. And it's not the state enforcing it. It's not the attorney general. It's not the health department, which is what we've seen with these similar bans in other states, it's private citizens that would be enforcing this six-week ban through civil litigation. So the idea is that if there's an abortion provider who breaks the law and performs an abortion after six weeks' gestation, then anybody who hears about it could sue them. $10,000, that's how much money people in Texas can now win in court by successfully suing anyone who helps a woman get an abortion after 6 weeks. And that passed in May of last year, it took effect in September. People did not expect it to take effect because there have been a ton of other abortion bans, a ton of other 6 week bans that they face
2: legal challenges. That face legal challenges and they get
1: they get overturned, you know. So so I think up until it actually was in effect that morning, September 1st, I remember it very well, I think most people did not believe it. So since then, do we know what kind of effect that it's had? I mean, have
2: people actually been sued for providing abortions? So fewer than
1: I think people were expecting. Abortion providers were really expecting to be, or many that I talked to, were expected to be just inundated with lawsuits. Abortion funds, which are places that fund abortions, um, were expected to be inundated with lawsuits. We just haven't really seen that. But I think it's really important to emphasize that The anti-abortion advocates don't want there to be a lot of lawsuits filed. From their perspective, like, this is working. Abortion providers are complying with this law. And if people sue or, you know, signal their intention to enforce this law, then it gives the court more shots to block it, right? So they don't want that.
2: They just want to basically... Have the potential for lawsuits be scary enough yes. that it dissuades people from wanting Which is to provide abortions? I mean, it's
1: it's like a I'm not a lawyer, but this is a really like weird and wild legal idea.
2: And so, what else are we seeing in terms of laws that have
1: passed more recently? So. So far, I believe it's 12 states that have proposed um, what are being called copycat bans, Texas copycat bans, um, that use the same strategy, the civil litigation, to, to ban abortion. And so far, we've seen one of those pass. That's the one in Idaho. And a
2: similar ban to Idaho's is one that is being considered in Missouri right now. Yes.
1: Yes. And that one... That's also, you know, a Texas copycat ban, um, and that one has an amendment on it um, that tries to stop people from going out of state for abortions.
2: And and just to be clear, I mean, this type of law that empowers people to potentially sue someone for providing an an abortion to someone else from their state, even if it didn't happen in their state, does that only apply to—
1: Abortion providers or are there other people that— It could apply to anyone who helps facilitate that abortion. So some examples that the legislator who proposed this cited off to me were, you know, marketing representatives who create a billboard advertising Mm. for abortions in other states, Um, a receptionist or a hotline person who helps book the appointment, somebody like Alex— it's someone very, who drives
2: you out of state mm-hmm. to get to an appointment for an abortion. It's very
1: wide-ranging in the same way that the that the Texas provision is. I do want to emphasize that this has not passed yet. You know, it's it's not clear whether this is going to pass, but I I do think it's important because it shows what I believe could be the next phase of the anti-abortion strategy. I mean, if if you believe that abortion is murder, then you're not going to be okay. just having it be illegal in anti-abortion states, right? You're going to want it to be illegal everywhere.
2: So it seems like what your reporting is showing is that both sides are getting ready for a world where abortion is illegal in many parts of the country and abortion is legal in some parts of the country and that they're kind of getting ready for essentially a war over trying to get people out of states where it could be illegal and into states where they can still have access.
1: That's exactly what's happening. I had one source say it's like Each side is looking around the corner and trying to see who can look around the corner the fastest to to see what the other side is going to do to try to either expand abortion access or try to block it. After the break,
2: we hear about how abortion rights advocates in blue states are trying to push back and to prepare for an influx of patients. We'll be right back. So, Caroline, let's come back to this Planned Parenthood Regional Logistics Center that you visited in Illinois. What has Alex told you about how people react when she tells them about the support that she's able to give them to help them access an abortion?
1: She said a lot of people are just in disbelief. She said she's been called an angel. They've said, you know, did God send you to me? Because they just can't believe that they're being offered the amount of money and help that she is offering them on the phone.
0: Like, they're very skeptical about the help that we're giving mm. them. And I think part of that is, wow. like, some patients in particular, you know, they've been, you know, they have people that have essentially tried to talk them out of getting an abortion under the guise of help. And so you, you think that these People are going to help you when you go to the appointment, and it turns out that's not the case at all. They're just trying to talk you out of your decision, or waste your time until you get to a point where you know you can't get one anymore. Or they just want to lie to you and give you the runaround. Yeah. And so
1: one uh, particular conversation really stood out. This guy was calling for his partner. They were in Texas, and you know Alex said okay I can help you book your hotel I can help you book your flight and
0: let me get your flights booked really quick let me get your hotel booked really quick and he was like okay well how much is that going to cost and I was like no you don't have to worry about that that's on us you know we're going to take care of that and he was like oh why are you doing this like he was very very like skeptical about it and like he was like you know I'm just waiting for you to like tell me what the catch is like what's the catch and I was like there's no catch you know we're just trying to help people get care. You know, it shouldn't have to be such a righteous act. Um, but unfortunately, it is. And the system is set up for it to be that way. Um,
2: and how have things changed for Alex and her colleagues over the last couple of years as more of these laws are passed, restricting abortion earlier and earlier in nearby states?
1: So they've been seeing a lot more people come from a much wider range of states. Um, There are two clinics right on the border. One is the Planned Parenthood and one is an independent clinic called Hope. And they both, you know, since Texas took effect, they've just they've seen a much, much wider range of states where patients are coming from. But right now, you know, when you when you visit the center, I found it to be relatively quiet. I mean, I I shadowed Alex for three hours. And in that time, I think we got three calls. So she was able to help every person that called and really, you know, hook them up with everything that they needed. And my question for her was, you know, what happens when these phones are ringing off the hook? Right. Where does all that money come from?
3: I think we're we're preparing for that, right? And until now, it's just been a patchwork of Mm -hmm. just foundations, grand individual donors, and and people that are committed to ensuring access is preserved.
1: I did talk to the president of that Planned Parenthood affiliate, the affiliate that, that handles that region, and she said, you know, they're looking at a lot of different options. I think widely it's expected that, you know, if... Row Falls, there will immediately be a massive influx of donations as people across the country are just really shocked and stunned and want to help. Um, We saw that with Texas, so I think we'd probably see something similar And, and support, I'm sure, would last kind of throughout the summer. But then what happens, right? Like, then... Then what happens? And so, you know, I, I asked this president about that, and, and she said they're really hoping for corporate sponsorships, people that can really help with hotel and flight and transportation and things.
3: Um, I think this is why we're focusing on just additional partnerships, including corporate partnerships, for, for example, um, to try to make sure that our transportation, our lodging, and some of the other services that we provide can you know, can be here not just for today, but for the 14,000 patients that could be coming.
1: And they're also hoping that blue states, lawmakers in blue states, really step up and pass laws, you know, and and sort of handle more of the financial burden of accessing abortion for people in their own state so that more of the donations and various other funds can go to people who need abortion care from these anti-abortion states.
3: How can we ensure then that blue states where access, it's going to Mm -hmm. be preserved, continue to advance policies that better support the residents? I see. So that then the extra money can go go, to the people that are coming from from other states. Put pressure on those
1: kind of more liberal lawmakers and Democrat-led states to do this, and then the money can more fully go
2: What is it like for someone like Alex to be working in this call center at a time when abortion as an issue is so embattled or when it seems like so much is about to change when it comes to abortion rights?
1: I asked her that, and I think that it's just pretty surreal. Um, This is the work that she does every day, and— I'm sure it felt a little strange to have a journalist there. You know, it's like you're just doing your job. You're just making your calls. And, you know, there's a journalist because you literally represent the future of abortion access in this country. But I don't think, you know, I I don't think she's thinking about that every day. Right. She's she's thinking about, you know, each patient who calls and how am I going to help them?
0: The fact that we can do this work is amazing. And I'm so proud, like. I am so proud to work for Planned Parenthood and to schedule abortions and to work for the RLC. You won't catch me hanging my head when I say it, but I shouldn't have to. Like, this shouldn't be something that we have to do. Yeah.
2: What about the prospect that someone like Alex could be sued for providing
1: help? I asked everybody that. And I think until a bill like that becomes an actual reality, I think it's kind of hard To gauge what the reaction from people would be, Um, generally when I ask people that, they're like, "Bring it on," you know, like, "Sue me." Yeah, under that.
0: I mean, they can sue me if they want to. You can't get blood from a turnip. They ain't getting a dime out of me. I ain't got nothing for them. No, (laughs) Uh, no. um, uh, You
1: you want to put on your fight face, right? And and that's I think how people in that region really feel. But we'll see, right? I mean, in Texas. You could have a clinic in Texas that just says, whatever, we're going to continue providing abortions after six weeks. Bring on the lawsuits. But you have not seen that. You've seen full and total compliance with the law.
2: Caroline, what else are you going to be thinking about as you keep reporting on the state of
1: abortion rights in the U.S.? I mean, I, I, my big question is, what happens after Roe v. Wade is overturned? Where do people turn if abortion becomes illegal in the 26 states that people expect it to be illegal or, or, or severely restricted, where do people turn? And you know, I think you're going to be seeing a lot of people turning to pills that they get through a large underground network. You're going to be seeing people traveling long distances if they can What we've seen from Texas is that people will do whatever they can to try to get an abortion. In Texas, we've seen a ton of people driving out of state. We've seen a ton of people trying to order abortion pills online. But I think the question becomes, at what point is that hurdle too great? At what point is that drive too long? At what point is that flight too expensive? At what point is there no easy way to get pills through the mail. I don't know what happens at that point.
2: Caroline Kitchener is a national politics reporter for The Post. Rennie Svernofsky produces story. After we taped this conversation, the bill we mentioned in Idaho was signed into law by the governor. It will go into effect in late April, banning abortions after six weeks unless a court intervenes. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was mixed by Rennie Svarnovsky and edited by Maggie Penman. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.